Welcome to The Baseball Show, Chicago's only interactive nightly show focused on the Cubs, the White Sox, and Major League Baseball. On radio, on app, on podcast. Listen to the show your way on ESPN 1000 with a new ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood, presented by Goose Island Beer Company on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Welcome in to the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the phone number. Hit me up on Twitter as well at ESPN MLB Show. Busy in Major League Baseball for both our teams, the Cubs and the White Sox. The Cubs are currently taking on the Cincinnati Reds. There's no score. That game is in the second inning of play, and the White Sox just finished their game against the Cleveland Indians at Progressive Field. It was the Indians over the White Sox by the score of 4-3. to three. And I want to review that game with you. For those of you who had a chance to watch that game, let's do it on the radio. I want to get your reaction. That's why this show is in place after Waddle and Sylvie, for you to react to your favorite baseball team, Cub Sox, everything else around Major League Baseball. So the Sox lose. So what does that mean to you? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. So I watched uh, game one, and this is going to be a true doubleheader for the Sox and Indians. In about 40 minutes, they will reconvene for game number two. It's not the day night. It'll be back-to-back, again, about 40-minute delay, and then back to game two. But the Sox lose 4-3, to three, and the Indians got off to a 2 nothing lead in the bottom of the first because Dylan Cease was the pitcher. And Dylan Cease... For whatever reason, and I guess this is a microcosm of some young pitchers, not all, but some young pitchers, that have a hard time being able to get comfortable early in games. And so Dylan Cease, according to Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago, who charts these numbers and does a very good job with this, in the first and second inning in Dylan Cease's early career through 30 innings pitched, he has a 9.60 ERA. Again, 9.60 ERA and 30 innings pitched. The rest of the game, he settles into a 3.60 ERA. Well, Cease only lasted two and a third, seven hits, four runs, all earned, and no walks and one strikeout, surrendering two home runs. ZRA is a robust 15.43 right now. The saving grace for the Sox to even stay in this ball game was the bullpen. Hats off to the likes of C-Sheck and, and Detweiler, Cordero Fry, others that were able to hold it for the White Sox offense to try to get back in the ball game. Uh, Tim Anderson on the good side was able to hit a home run today. His first, he's been a little bit of a slump again this early in the season, but it was good to see Anderson out there giving the Sox a chance. Three for five with three runs today, a home run for him. His first of the season, Moncada stepping up two for five uh, as well. And uh, Robert, you know, every time you see Luis Robert out there, he's hitting the ball hard as much as possible. It's, it's again, the, the exit velocity. Uh, of some of his hits are just amazing. It, they are frozen ropes to the outfield, uh, in the deep outfield. And he was able to go two for four. He looks very natural up there in the number seven spot for the White Sox today. But here is the bottom line to today's game. The bottom line is that the White Sox left a small island on the base paths today. Uh, runners in scoring position, four for 15. They left 11 runners on base several times in the game. They had bases loaded runners in scoring position, and they could not come through. That's just not going to get it done. 
And we would are talking about this in July and not April for a reason is because it's 60 games. Every game is important. You got to hang in there. And the Sox, for whatever reason, did not come to play offensively. They were able to tack on one in the ninth and one in the fifth and one in the third. But when they really needed to have a, a base hit to score a couple, they did not come through. And again, the bullpen held it up well enough for the Sox offense to be able to do something. And it just wasn't in the car today in game one uh, of this series. So again, if you watch that game or listen to it, how do you feel? Because the Sox need to have a win here. You don't say must win so early in the season, but when it's 60 games, every game is magnified a million percent because, as I told Wallen and Sylvie moments ago, it just feels like when you lose a game, it feels like two or three. That's not hyperbole. That's just the way the, uh, the ebb and flow of this season will be, that every game is important. These 60 games feel like, uh, from some of these managers I've been watching, it feels like the playoffs. They're getting bullpens up early. In the second inning, sometimes in the first inning, just to be able to say, hey, if this pitcher doesn't have it, we got to yank him out of there. You usually don't see that until the playoffs or in September. You're seeing this in July because it's just that important. It's that important for the offense to come to play. It is that important for young pitching to be able to step up two spots, maybe three spots further than what they're supposed to. You could take this outing from Cease in April in a regular season, but in this situation, him, along with Lopez on Sunday, uh, Giolito for the opener, that's just not good enough. It's just not. If you're a Sox fan, you know that that's not good enough, that the offense is is good enough to be able to keep you in ball games. I just went through a number of these players for the White Sox in which you say, okay, you know, with Mazzara out, you still can throw Delmonico in there. There's always Robert. There's a number of players that can be able to pick up the slack offensively. Uh, but it, in case you want to have your pitcher at least go five here early in the early season, at least five, uh, not the case here. So let's get your thoughts on it. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. The other side of the tracks is the Cubs. Cubs are currently taking on the Reds at the Great American Ballpark. That game is in the bottom of the second inning as Mills is on the mound for the Cubs. Interesting lineup thrown out there by David Ross, and we're going to hear from Ross in just a moment. Uh, they went with Rizzo, Caratini, Baez, Schwarber, Hap, Hayward, Bodie, Kipnis, the DH, and Horner playing second base. No Chris Bryant in the game uh, as it was... David Ross believing that Bryant needs a day off because of an elbow issue. So, okay, all right, so Bryant's not playing. Will he play the next game? That's that's the question. And so with Bodie over at third base, he could play the position, but not as solid as Chris Bryant would be over at third base. And, of course, Bryant's a player that's very flexible, can play left, right, first, and third. So, I mean, it's – guess it's fine you just hope it's more it's not anything else besides rest or just an issue with the elbow that he can get back in there because i mentioned both sides of town all over baseball every game is important so now that the Sox are waiting for game number two if you're a Sox fan time for you to jump in if you're a cubs fan time for you to jump in 312-332 espn we're also going to talk about last night's game for the cubs in the against the reds whoa whoa <laughs> that was something and this is what we miss about live sports, right? It is Major League Baseball, a game in which you think it's in place, 7 nothing, 8 nothing lead for the Cubs, and you think they'll be able to coast, you can just relax, and all of a sudden the bullpen just turns into garbage. 
And that was something last night. That's not like that's not my first rodeo. I've seen this before, but that is alarming, especially here for the Cubs. Even in a winning effort, they've got to be able to straighten that bullpen out. We'll talk more about it as we move forward right here on uh, the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000. Join the show on Twitter as well at ESPN MLB Show. Again, um, I'm your Sox post game. So, however you feel about the Sox, how you feel about the Cubs, come on in. 312 332 ESPN. Brandon is on 94 with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Brandon. Man, what's up, Jay Hood? Jay Hood, I got to keep it real. I checked out, brother. I'm just about done, man. I mean, it's early, but it's a short season. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm disappointed in what I'm seeing. Uh, professional hitters that don't want to go the other way. Guy keeps nipping at the corner. Everybody wants to pull the ball. Tim Anderson finally does it. What happened? Opposite field home run. Yep. I, I'm, I, I'm, I want to be mean spirit, man, but, but I, I hope Lopez don't come back all season. I'm, I'm so sick. I'm done with him. He's our version of you, Darvish. I'm tired of hearing about he has an electric arm and great stuff. Where? I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, everybody got a good bullpen session. Jay Hood, you could do a bullpen session throwing 90, but what's going to happen when somebody step up and play in the box? I'm sick and tired of hearing about this dude has electric stuff. Where at? I don't see it. He did something in the second half of the season when it didn't count. No pressure on. Same thing with this team is doing right now. There's no pressure. So don't wait till we get 30 games in the season and you start playing. You did nothing while the lights is on. I'm peace, Jay. All right, man. Appreciate your telephone call. Uh, I would not say give up on the season because it, we just started here. We're <laughs> not even through a week, but I understand the frustration because because here here it is. You've been waiting for live sports. You've been waiting for baseball for a long time. I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan. Love the sport since I was a kid. Right, and so just the rhythm of sports is thrown off when you don't get baseball in April. And as the players and owners are going back and forth on who's who's going to get what, finally they come together. And now you get baseball, even though you can't go to the ballpark, at least it's on your big screen. At least you can be able to watch it or listen to it because that feels like the rhythm of sports. That feels like the rhythm of the summer. And then you turn on a game like the Cubs and the Reds yesterday, and it's just like gives you a heart attack. That's the the feeling that you hadn't had in a while. And then from the Sox standpoint, it's like, okay, so where where is this potent offense? Where is the pitching from the young guys? And, and so I just didn't see that, especially in today's game. Savali pitched really well for Cleveland, by the way. I take my hat off to him. Savali is one of these guys that, uh, well, first of all, let me give you those lines. Six innings pitched, that's a quality start. Seven hits, two runs, all earned, one walk, nine strikeouts. Um, they've, they've got some arms in that Cleveland bullpen as well. But I I, um, I watch Savali, and, and I'm watching him out there, and I, he is mixing pitches. He's painting the corners. And this is a, an opportunity, by the way, with the umpire. Who's the umpire today? Ben May. Boy, you had to throw it into a teacup to get a strike. And I know that that was frustrating at the beginning uh, of the game for the Sox because the strike zone was not as wide as it could have been. Cease was trying to paint the corners. He wasn't getting any of the corners. And I blame the umpire for that, but I'm just saying that if you didn't see the game, I'm painting the picture that the umpire was really squeezing a lot of the pitchers today, making sure that you had to throw it into a teacup to get a strike. But, um, the, the starting pitcher for Cleveland was outstanding. Um, off-speed pitches, a lot of cutters, fastballs that would, in which it was move, had really late movement. 
Um, I really liked what he had to bring to the table today, and it threw off the White Sox. And I know that at late in the innings, because it's a day game, here come the shadows, and that's always an issue for some teams. But even before that, though, uh, that the offense was uh, not very good for the White Sox early on in the game. They scored, got that home run from Anderson, but again, just one run in these innings are just not good enough. A four to three loss for the White Sox against the Indians. Let's see if they can at least. Um, win tonight, and then they could be able to split this doubleheader against Cleveland. No score between the Cubs and the Reds. That game is in the top of the third inning. 312-332 ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Let me squeeze in one more. I know we're late, but I want to get to Dave and Downers Grove because he's been patient on the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000. Hi, Dave. Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to catch the, the entire game, uh, but I, I, I listened to the, uh, the end here. been watching. Uh, I watched the, the season opener as well. Uh, just curious about your guys' thoughts. I mean, obviously this whole, you know, COVID situation going on, um, Marlins are obviously being affected by this. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, you, you see it even on the socks. Like, Kopech's not, he, you know, he decided not to uh, suit up this season. I mean, as, as these cases start to spike, because they will, do you think we're just going to reach a point here where they just call it, you know, season over? Or do you really see this season playing out the entire way? Dave, I appreciate your telephone call. We will address that coming up next. Um, but I want to be able to get your thoughts on the Cubs and White Sox. And also, COVID-19 is still a story. We're going to address that coming up next because I have some thoughts about those same questions that you have. I'm enjoying the baseball for what we're getting right now because it feels like summer, but we know what reality is when it comes to COVID-19 and the Marlins. So we'll address that coming up next and getting your reaction. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Sox lose to the Indians. If you watch the game or listen to it, let me get your thoughts. Also, your thoughts on the Cubs uh, as they almost lost it against the Reds yesterday. They're up now one nothing. That game's in the top of the third. Cubs over the Cincinnati Reds. The baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. The baseball show with Jonathan Hood on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cubs, Sox, Major League Baseball. Baseball's coming back. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cubs lead the Reds by a score of one nothing. That game is in the top of the third inning. The White Sox... Lost the first game of the doubleheader at Progressive Field in Cleveland by a score of 4-3. to three. As you are listening to the baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Open phone lines for you. Totally interactive as always. Not only on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. That's ESPN MLB Show. But also on the phone lines at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our telephone number. We heard earlier from Dave from Downers Grove who is a baseball fan and is concerned about whether or not we're going to have baseball full stop through the 60 games. We're going to address that uh, momentarily. I just want to be able to review the Cubs last night. They won their first game of the series against the Cincinnati Reds. And Cubs manager David Ross looked over the upcoming matchups, and he waited and waited and waited. And he just kept closer Craig Kimbrell on the mound in the ninth inning on Monday night. 
even as the veteran struggled for his command, that fastball, the curve, it just was not there for Kimbrell last night. Kimbrell walks a very, uh, a very fine line here as the closer for this team. When Jesse Rogers says, I'm not sure if he should even be on the roster, that says a lot um, because Jesse is covering this team and he's said this last year and he said it this year. You know, you see Kimbrell out there, you're not sure what you're getting. It's not the classic Kimbrell that you saw in years past that would be lights out as the closer, as a fireman for this Cubs team. So Kimbrell walked the bases loaded yesterday and then he hit Freddie Galvis with a pitch and then Ross continued to wait. And so the Cubs were up big in that game. 7 nothing. almost lost the game. The game-winning run was about to happen until Votto lined to center field. Uh, that's not the first time I've seen the bullpen implode. I've seen this before from the Cubs, and it happened, especially early in the season. I just didn't expect to see it last night. Um, usually that's going to happen early in the season. But this is 60 games, and Kimbrell looked like he did not belong. He looked like he did not trust his ability out there on the mound yesterday. And Kimbrell struggles in 2019. In 23 appearances for the Cubs last season, Kimbrell posted a 6.53 ERA and allowed a career-high nine home runs in just 20 and two-thirds innings pitched. Again, this is supposed to be a guy that's supposed to give you three outs and that's it, or maybe a third of an inning or two-thirds of an inning as a closer. Kimbrell posted a 6.53 ERA and allowed a career-high nine home runs in just 20 and two-thirds innings. That is a ton. Kimbrell did not pitch in any of those Cubs' first three games and had not worked uh, since Chicago's July 20th exhibition game against the White Sox. Then he took over in the ninth inning on Monday. Kimbrell issued a leadoff walk to Castellanos and uh, followed that with a wild pitch. Looking at the numbers through the, I believe this is NBC Sports Chicago, Kimbrell's fastball clocked in at about 96 miles an hour on the average and maxed out to 97.5, but the but he really labored in the strike zone to the point where, I mean, Kimbrell threw 34 pitches, 13 for strikes. Here's even worse. He threw 15 breaking balls, and Cincinnati didn't even swing one time. 15 breaking balls, and Cincinnati was like, nope. That's going to be in the dirt. Oh, nope, that's way outside. So he wasn't fooling anybody yesterday. And so I don't know if one of the Wicks or Jeffers, I don't know who is going to be the answer for the closer, but this is not one of those things where you wait until June or July to make the decision. At some point, Kimbrough's got to be in a, in a, in a closer's role and flourish more than a few times before you can trust him to be the guy that closes the door uh, for the Cubs to end games. Cubs are playing really good baseball right now, but when it gets tight, you need someone to be able to get it done at the end of games. As you're listening to the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Uh, Some thoughts from David Ross yesterday on managing the ninth inning. Kimbrell, you know, uh, hits battered, a couple walks. Um, His pitch count's getting up. I start to look at uh, the best matchup. Uh, which was Irvin uh, for JJ, somebody that I trust with a lot of traffic that's been there in, in the heat of the moment and is not going to b- back down from the adrenaline and, and, and being able to harness that. I thought he did a really good job of that tonight. That's not easy to do. Uh, you can tell that's where that veteran status came in. Uh, Tapera did a good job of that tonight. Ro Wick, you could tell, had been in the moment. Like Those are the things I'm talking about when we're going to have to grow and get experience down there is um, 
you know, those, those are, those are the type moments I'm talking about executing pitches and big moments when, when your heart rates up and, and bad things can happen or creep into your mind, you have to stay focused. Uh, so I got JJ up uh, when I saw, uh, I thought, I, you know, I really thought Kimbrell could, could, uh, could blow the fastball by Stevenson. Um, didn't happen. I, I, you know, went with the breaking ball a little bit more. Um, talked to him about that Two 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 swings on on fastballs that I thought were a little bit tardy um and then went to the breaking ball which he just continued to try to find uh tonight also Ross yesterday was talking about Craig Kimbrell and whether or not he's concerned about Kimbrell at all it got away from us I think a little bit earlier on and he comes in with not he hadn't had work in six days you know and um, you know, part of that is just, he's got to knock off some rust and then continue to trust his stuff. I thought the ball, the fastball was electric tonight. Uh, we just weren't in the zone enough. Um, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to throw strikes, walks, uh, especially in that spot or kill you. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I, I chalked that up to a lot of rust six days for a closer, any bullpen guy you've seen uh, a lot of the guys, the first time out, haven't been real sharp. There's only been a couple of them. Teplis really did a great job tonight, uh, for us. Uh, real wick pick, got us out of a, a little jam there early on. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we want to make these big decisions, but a lot of these guys are first, second time in the game. We're seven games in that's counting three exhibition games that guys aren't, aren't, aren't playing in. So, um, I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, but, but we've got to get a little bit of leash. This is a, this is a really unique situation that we're dealing with. So there's, there's David Ross, the manager for the Cubs, talking about last night's game, and the Cubs lead one nothing. That game is in the bottom of the third inning uh, for their game number two uh, against the Cincinnati Reds. The baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So we had a, a caller earlier asking about baseball and COVID-19, and the latest on that story was from ESPN.com where it says that Major League Baseball has postponed all of the Miami Marlins games through Sunday after the team's recent coronavirus outbreak. Major League Baseball announced that Miami's next six games, starting with Tuesday night's home game against the Baltimore Orioles, has been postponed, citing the belief that it is most prudent to allow the Marlins time to focus on providing care for their players and planning their baseball operations for resumption early next week. So for those uninitiated, you know, the Marlins have moved to daily testing and they will remain in Philadelphia where they played last weekend as they gather more information. That's according to Derek Jeter, the team's CEO. So when you're looking at more than 13, 14, 15 people that are uh, having tests for COVID-19 and testing positive, that is something that is troublesome. It's a total now up to 17 because four more tested positive today. So now it's 17. And here's the thing that I look at. We know what reality is when it comes to COVID-19. If you're testing positive, you've got to be quarantined for 14 days. And for Major League Baseball, all of this is tempting fate. I've been saying it every day and I will continue to say it. There is no bubble plan for Major League Baseball. So what are, what, what are they going to do? They just want to continue to play, and just stay as safe as possible, be socially distant, have masks on if you need it, as well as having your, uh, your hand sanitizer and everything else and washing your hands. It's the same thing for us non-players. The same thing are in place for players for Major League Baseball. But it doesn't mean that 
they won't get COVID-19. They will try not to get it. But the difference between the National Hockey League, the NBA, and Major League Baseball is is that players can be able to go wherever they want to go outside of the ballpark and then be able to come back in, get tested, and hopefully they'll negative. If not, they could be positive just like the Marlins. Here's what is troublesome to me. What's troublesome to me is, is that Major League Baseball put it on the shoulders of Don Mattingly for about almost 24 hours for him to pretty much be the commissioner of baseball for him to speak on what to do with the Marlins as there are Marlins that are tested positive before their game on Sunday. And they're in a text chain saying, well, what should we do? Should we play? And they're asking one of the players, uh, what do you think we should play? Yeah. You know, of course we're going to play. Wait, what do you mean? Of course, if you have COVID-19, you're not supposed to play. And they were just trying to do it anyway, just because, and that's the part of the selfishness that I can't stand in our society, baseball and otherwise. I mean, you are tested positive for COVID-19 and you have an opportunity to give it to someone else. Now you have an outbreak in the, with the Marlins. But, but here's the thing. Just because there's an outbreak with the Marlins doesn't mean I'm going to turn off baseball. I will watch as long as they can have it on there. I'm not going to not talk about it just because the Marlins idiots didn't want to talk and tell Manningly and everyone else that they have uh, COVID-19. That's completely selfish. Half the team is out because of this. Some thoughts from Jesse Rogers, as well as Buster only on this story. Um, they talked about the COVID-19 positive tests. I've had executives say to me that once we get started, it's going to be Dan the Torpedoes, full speed ahead, try to make it happen. Uh, and I you know, bring up this example, and I'll bring it up again. In 1995, during the, the player's strike, 29 of the 30 owners voted to put Class A and AA players on the field. And, and, you, and hold that up, prop that up as a Major League Baseball product. And that should give some insight into, you know, how concerned they are about, uh, you know, whether or not one team or another is effective competitively uh, by a, a number of players testing positive. I, I, I mean, my sense yesterday was like, nope, we're, we're moving ahead. What was your sense? Oh, definitely. I mean, my sense of that has been that way since the day they announced how large the taxi squads are going to be. Think about the taxi squad is as large as your regular roster, or it can be, 30 and 30 right now. That tells you everything you need to know, that they are, will, they are ready to, and willing to replace your whole roster with a taxi squad. But Rob Manfred's talking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit when he says um, he would stop things if it became non-competitive. Well, you are replacing half a team already. Isn't that non-competitive at that point? Unless you think everybody in that taxi squad is an all-star in waiting. So, I, I think he's got to throw out that competitive thing. I, I think that that's not the reason they're going to stop. I don't know what the reason is that the, he would shut down, but I don't think he'd shut it completely down. I think the first step would be what I said is shut everything down for a few days, test everybody, and see how bad this outbreak really is. Jesse talking with Buster Olney on the Baseball Tonight podcast about COVID-19 tests because Jesse's been all over it, just like Jeff Passan, Buster, and others about this story. All right, coming up. You will hear from the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and you will hear some of his thoughts about what is going on with baseball and COVID-19. Also, we'll keep our eyes on the Cubs and the Reds at the Great American Ballpark and take your reaction. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN MLB Show. Also, on the phone lines, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776, our phone number. You and I probably have not spoken in a while, or maybe you and I have never spoken at all about baseball. Now's your opportunity. That's coming up. 
on the Superstation TBS. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. This, this, this is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. This is the Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Cubs, socks, and so much more. Presented by Goose Island Beer Company. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. <laughs> A White Sox lineup is in for game number two against the Indians. I know Sox fans, I mean... I know you can't call me because the Sox are not taking on the Cubs because I know you don't care until they take on the Cubs, but you really should care because this team is loaded, but I don't know if it's loaded for uh, game number two. Here is Ricky's lineup for game two against the Indians. It's the same as game one as far as Anderson at short, Moncada at third, Abreu at first. Delmonico in left field as the cleanup hitter. Okay, uh, Collins the DH, McCann the catcher, Robert in center field, Garcia in right, Mendick at second, and Rodon will be on the mound for the White Sox. Delmonico, the cleanup hitter. Okay, and so if you're asking, so no Encarnacion and no Grandal in this game. Grandal said he wanted to play both games of the doubleheader, and obviously Ricker Renneria said no to that. So you've got... Two of your catchers here, Collins uh, and McCann, the lineup together with Mendick and uh, Garcia and Delmonico, as I mentioned, playing left field. No uh, Mazzara yet because of the injury. So there you go. There's the Sox and their best opportunity uh, tonight. That's the lineup they're going to throw out there against the Indians with Rodon on the mound for the White Sox. Okay, um, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. We want to get your thoughts about the White Sox in their loss today. If you got a chance to watch that game and listen to it, that's why I'm here, to, to give you your opportunity to talk about the White Sox and their loss against the Indians 4-3. We're here every night after Wadlin and Sylvia right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Tim Anderson had a good game. Three for five with three runs. He got his first home run of the season. Uh, as well as you were able to see Amankata two for five in the game. Uh, Robert continues to hammer the ball, hitting 400 now. Two for four on the season. And the pitching from the relief standpoint was really solid for the Sox after Dylan Cease gave up seven hits, four runs, and two and thir- uh, third innings pitched. The starting pitching for the Indians was very good as well, with Savali was very good. Nine strikeouts through six. He mixed speeds very well. The cutter was working well against the Sox hitters, and the Sox several times had the bases loaded. Runs in scoring position could not get it done, and the Sox left a small island on the base paths. Don't know. They just did not execute well enough against the Indians today, so we'll see what happens in game number two. We'll also keep our eyes on the Cubs. Cubs taking on the Cincinnati Reds at the Great American Ballpark. And keeping our eyes on that game as well, uh, right here on the baseball show. The Cubs were up one nothing. Is now two nothing uh, as that game is in the top of the fourth inning. Cubs are really putting it on offensively in a big way, and it looks like old school Cubs the way they're able to put together innings. And we're seeing that against Tom Waddle, Cincinnati Reds. Now we talked earlier about what is going on, with Rob Manfred, and I think it's very important to be able to have leadership. During this time, if you are the commissioner of a sport, you are supposed to provide leadership. We see this in the NBA. 
hell, we see this in the National Hockey League, right? I mean, that's something I rarely have said in my career, but you're seeing leadership in the National Hockey League because both of these sports are in a bubble. They realize the importance of COVID-19, and you want to make sure that your players are safe because that's the number one thing. It's not even about you and me as fans. It's not even about you and I. You know, it's about, it is about the players because without the players, we don't have sports. We don't have baseball. We don't have basketball, hockey. We don't have these sports. So these players have agreed to be quarantined in a bubble away from their families, and they're doing it because they want to win a championship and for the sake of entertainment and, of course, getting paid. But in the Major League Baseball, it was bad enough that we had to wait to even see baseball. We knew that there was very... It wasn't really an opportunity for us to be able to be at Wrigley Field at Guaranteed Rate at Miller Park to be able to watch these games because of COVID-19. But you would have thought they were able to come together and have baseball sooner than July. But I'm not complaining. We do have baseball on our TV screens. We can be able to watch it. But when it comes, once again, full circle to the players, it is essential for Rob Manfred to think of the players first. And I just think that there's a lack of leadership from him and from Tony Clark from the Players Association. This has to be better. It has to be. Why is there a lack of leadership on both sides of this? Manfred is a commissioner. He also sides with the owners. But same thing with Tony Clark as well. It has to be hammered home to the players that if you have COVID-19, you don't hide it from someone. If you hide it from the rest of your teammates or from the opposition, they also could be diagnosed with COVID-19 in an outbreak situation. Now, thankfully for the Phillies, the Phillies didn't have any uh, diagnosis of COVID-19 except a clubhouse attendant. None of the players had it. But the Marlins had, it was first, it was reported like four or five. Now it's out to double digits because players didn't want to say on Sunday that they had COVID-19. So they want to play anyway, knowing that they could be risking someone else's health. Selfish. But this is on Rob Manfred also to be able to have a leadership on this. And it, it should not be on Monday a sit-down with Tom Verducci. This incident happened where Rob Manfred every week should be able to sit down with the press and take the heat. Because other commissioners would take the heat. You've got to do it. It's about responsibility. I can't stand people that are in a position to have responsibility and just like just shirk it off. Like, Oh, it's not my responsibility. Even though you're the person that's supposed to get the job done, you are the commissioner. You're the one running this, but yet, no, it's not on me. It's not my fault. I, 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 I have no time for that at all. If you have a job to do, you have to do it. And that means you have to face the heat. You've got to be able to uh, talk to the press and be able to explain to them what the protocols are and what's the day to day. If governors and mayors are doing this on a daily basis, what's so what, what's stopping Rob Manfred from talking about COVID-19 and, and whether or not we as fans could be able to watch 60 games of this without fans? Rob Manfred with a sit down with Tom Verducci. Listen. With the Marlins, have you learned anything about the origin or the scope of the outbreak based on contact tracing so far? Right. Each team does have an, at least one individual who was trained to do contract tracing, and they're supervised by an individual in the commissioner's office. Um, we have some theories as to what might have happened, um, nothing definitive at this point.
What did you learn from the testing during summer camp before we got to the point of teams beginning to travel to play regular season games? Well, it's been really a constant process for us. Um, we have um, improved the testing. Um, it, there was a timeliness issue early on. We've completely eliminated the problem of having pending tests that people were talking about. Um, but that applies across the board in terms of the protocol. It is an evolving situation. We continue to look at them. We're looking at them again today to see whether there's anything that we've learned from this situation that might cause us to make alterations. It's been said that one team with an outbreak such as this is baseball's worst nightmare. Is that the way you look at this situation? I I don't put this in the nightmare category. I mean, obviously, we don't want any player to get exposed. Um, it's, it's, It's not a positive thing, but I don't see it as a nightmare. We built the protocols to allow us to continue to play. That's why we have the expanded rosters. That's why we have the pool of uh, additional players. And um, we think we can keep people safe and continue to play. Is there a point, a critical mass, so to speak, within the league or within a team that would cause you to shut down part of the schedule, all of the schedule? Um, There is certainly both. Um, There's certainly both. I mean, I think that um, a team... Uh, losing a number of players that rendered it completely non-competitive would be an issue that, that we would have to address and have to think about making um, a, a change, um, whether that was shutting down a part of the season, um, the whole season, that depends on the circumstances. Same thing with respect to league-wide. You know, you get to a certain point league-wide where it does become a health threat, and we certainly would shut down at that point. Commissioner, as you know, you're trying to get through a 60-game season and a postseason without the so-called bubble that we see in play with some other sports, the NHL, the NBA. I know at one point, a few months ago, baseball considered that idea. Mm -hmm. Do you think at all at this point now to think about whether that situation, a bubble for MLB, could have been workable? I think um, the decision that we made with respect to the bubble um, was the right one. Um, we're different than other sports. Uh, we would have had to have multiple locations probably just in order to have enough facilities to make it work. The numbers of people involved and the numbers of people to support the number of players was much, much larger in our, our sport. The duration would have been much longer. And the longer you go, the more people you have, the less likely it is that you can make the bubble work. You know, I, I think the NBA and the NHL um, have an advantage, smaller numbers of players, shorter period of time. And, and um, I understand why they did what they did. I'm just not sure it was workable for us. Now, to get back onto the field, you and the Players Association agreed on a, a very diverse and in-depth manual, operations manual, on health and safety protocols, more than 100 pages. Um, but I wanted to read you a reaction today from David Price, one of the players from the Players Association who chose not to play during this 2020 season, in which he said that part of the reason I'm at home is right now is play, because players' health wasn't being put first, and I can see that hasn't changed. What's your reaction to that? Well, I, I disagree with, with David's comments. I think both for the MLBPA and for us, the health issue was the one that had to be resolved. It was the most important one to all of us. Um, in terms of the activities that have happened in the last few days, as I said, you know, we followed the protocols to a T. Um, We went beyond 
um, those protocols in the sense that we canceled um, games two for the Marlins so far. Um, we're open to having to cancel additional games if we feel it's necessary to keep our players safe. I know you were hopefully optimistic at the start of this to get through this season uninterrupted. Has this weekend, the events with the Marlins, changed your optimism about completing this season uninterrupted? Well, I would say it this way, Tom. We expected we were going to have positives at some point in time. Um, I remain optimistic that the protocols are strong enough um, that it will allow us to continue to play even through an outbreak like this and complete our season. And finally, Commissioner, as we've got along very early in this season, you had the best laid plans in place with your protocols. It seems like a fluid situation. Is there anything you're learning as we're going along about what can be better, what works, maybe what doesn't work? Yeah, we we have made adjustments to the protocols on an ongoing basis. There were conversations today um, with the MLBPA about what we should be doing um, in terms of the protocols themselves and the enforcement of the protocols, making sure that we're following them in every way we possibly can. Um, As I said earlier, it's an evolving situation and we continue to reevaluate where we are in the protocols and what we can do to keep the players as safe as possible. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. On Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show with Jonathan Hood. Catch up on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile for the podcast on the new ESPN Chicago app. The Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's Home for Sports. Yeah, I see the D Mexican Gambler as well as Mike seventy nine seventy nine one on Twitter saying that they are incensed that Renteria is batting Delmonico in, at cleanup for game number two against the Indians. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> but that's uh, the lineup for game two to Delmonico in the cleanup role, and uh, there will be no Grandal and Encarnacion starting for game two. As the Sox lost the first game, the doubleheader, they're getting underway at uh, Progressive. No score between the White Sox and the Indians. Other scores for you, Toronto leading the Washington Nationals 3-1 to one at games in the tops of the seventh. The Reds with Castellanos with a two-run shot, and now it's tied at two between the Reds and the Cubs at games in the top of the fifth inning. Uh, at the Great American Ballpark, the Tampa Rays, they are leading Atlanta 3-1 to at games in the bottom of the third. No score between Milwaukee and Pittsburgh in the top of the third. Bottom three, Kansas City over Detroit 3 to nothing. Also, top of the second, the Mets leading Boston at Fenway by a score of one nothing. Uh, those are the games in progress right now. As we mentioned earlier, the Sox lost that first game of the doubleheader 4-3 to uh, to the Indians. All right, 312-332-ESPN, 332 our phone number. we got Under the Hood coming your way at uh, 702. We've got some uh, great uh, conversation for you at, uh, coming up at 702. Doug Glanville, former Cub, is going to be with us at 730. So that's always a great conversation with Doug. We'll have that with him at 730 right here on ESPN 1000. Well, uh, we got five minutes left in the show. It is time for 545. Five topics in five minutes. Here's Sean Davis. Sean? Hood tonight, the theme is Walk This Way. We're going to start out in L.A. where Shohei Otani struggled this weekend, going one for nine with four strikeouts over the weekend, and he didn't record an out in his start versus the A's. 
do you think he should focus more on one position in this shortened season? Well, that's a tough one because I'm entertained by Otani, whether he is pitching or uh, at the plate. He's such a unique talent because you don't get this anymore. You haven't seen this as Ruth or, you know, guys that could be able to do both and do it well. So I would say that he should just continue on doing this because of 60 games. And I know that Joe Madden is going to allow him to do it. Uh, so to, to see more of him pitch on every Sunday or whatever the rotation is and see him hit, yeah, it's a struggle, but it's a struggle for a lot of guys in this uh, pandemic. So I will say let him continue to do what he's doing. The Tampa Bay Rays pitchers struck out a franchise-high 19 Braves batters in nine innings last night. Is the two-outcome era of home run or strikeout more exciting than the contact era previously? Um, no, I, I think home run or strikeout is something that seam heads like uh, because they can easily measure, hey, this is, this is the exit velocity and these are all these other big numbers that we see now in 2020 as far as the home runs concerned. No, I, I, I like the contact uh, more so than anything else. You know, uh, we, I believe that the offense was going to be ahead of the pitching when you asked me about this a couple weeks ago. And now we're seeing some of the pitchers around baseball getting ahead of some of the offense. So I prefer the contact more so than just home runs. You know, it's about busyness on the base pass more so than the ball going out of the ballpark. Yeah, I agree with that. Relief pitching continues to be a league-wide problem. Is this one of the areas that is impacted greatly by the lack of fans and atmosphere? Now, that is something that is uh, that's holding true, right? It, it, you put this show, pretend like we're doing this show in April. I would probably still have the same talking points of why did the bullpen implode, like what happened to the Cubs yesterday against the Reds. This is something that is in August, that is an April topic, sometimes a May topic, because you're just getting out of spring training, so there's going to you got to get the kinks out. And so now, once again, the season had just started, and so the relief pitching has an issue. Not everybody, but some does. So, no, I don't think it's about fans or atmosphere. I just think that that's just the ebb and flow of a, the start of a baseball season. Yeah, you still the fans to me still add a little extra to that late game, going three through four and five hitters trying to get the last three outs to a relief hitter, and then the batters feel the pressure. Either even, I think they feel less pressure without that type of atmosphere. The Royals deployed a six-man outfield shift last night against Miguel Cabrera. Hood, this was crazy. Do you think MLB should come up with some type of limitations on how defenses can be shifted? No, and you're not working with Fred tonight. Um, so no, because because Fred would be uh, totally <laughs> against that. Uh, no, I have no problem with it because it's entertaining. Yeah, we always forget that the sports that we're watching is about entertainment, right? So we in baseball, we always get a lot of normalcy with baseball. Uh, shifts, it gets away from the normalcy. You're seeing something different on your TV, like, oh, hey, there's three or four guys on one side of the field. Oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, they're walking a guy with the bases loaded. It's something different. And so I have no problem with the, the shifting because if that's what the scouting report says, who's going to stop you? So I have no problem with it because it's new and fresh. Yeah, in my mind when I saw it, I'm like thinking to myself, Mickey, just bunt the ball. And then you think about sure. the man has had about six to seven knee surgeries and he barely jogs down to first base. So that's the Royals taking advantage of the information in the batter that's presented to them. Greg Maddox and other aces have historically had a personal catcher on depending upon the team they want. Should Ricky Renteria consider Brian McCann being Giolito's personal catcher? Yes. 100% yes. You know why? Because 
I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you the secret. I don't know if who, whoever else is listening. I'm just going to tell you the secret. Grandal is here because of his offense. He sucks as a catcher. He just does. You know how many how many runners he allowed to steal bases last year? Seventy nine. <laughs> not the best defensive catcher, and not a guy that really is great in calling games either. Here for the offense, uh, and so. I would say, yeah, I believe that McCann should be the personal caddy for Giolito because McCann and Giolito have a rapport. So I would agree with that, yes. And I don't think Rendall would take, um, I wouldn't think he'd take offense to it. He, he wouldn't mind being the DH for that game. No problem at all. Yeah, I said Brian McCann. I meant James McCann for the White Sox. And don't forget, they also brought him here because he frames very well. Part of being a catcher, yes, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, framing, absolutely. yeah. So you yeah, can't throw I'm, can't throw runners out, but you frame very well. Grandal Grand, is not very good. Right? <laughs> he just, I understand what he's here for. He's here for offense, and I don't bl- I don't mind the signing. I have no problem with the signing, but don't think that that's going to be Carlton Fisk back there because that's not who he is. I don't think I don't think he'll ever be that in in with the White Sox or any team. Yeah, he after his time of being a catcher, he will be an everyday DH. That's your five for five, Hood. And that is five for five right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. All right, coming up in two minutes, we've got Under the Hood. We have got to talk about leadership from the commissioner uh, for Major League Baseball. Also, uh, the NFL might be looking at even more opt-outs. Have you seen this today about the National Football League? They're opting, and players are opting out already as camps start to open across the country. We'll talk about that and more. Uh, Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. Uh, thank you. We have the baseball show coming up after Wall and Sylvie coming up at 6 o'clock every night, presented by Goose Island Beer Company, right here on ESPN 1000. You've been listening to the baseball show with Jonathan Hood. If you miss something, you can always get the podcast on your time. Click the Baseball Show tile on the new ESPN Chicago app. Join us weeknights at 6 for the Baseball Show, presented by the Goose Island Beer Company on ESPN 1000.